Welcome to the Brew Files from Experimental Brewing, our quick hit series where we focus on fundamental aspects of brewing, including styles, techniques, and recipes. More brew, more flavor, more stories, less time, less ukulele. On this episode, just before Denny attended the fanciest homebrew party known to mankind, aka the Maltos Falcon's 45th anniversary, he stopped by my garage and helped taste the beers I had set for the party. What did we think of the beers I made? Did they all make it? Sit back and find out. The American Homebrewers Association, a community of more than 45,000 individuals who share a common passion, beer. Since 1978, the AHA has promoted and advanced the most delicious hobby in the world, providing brewing resources, supporting homebrewer-friendly legislation, offering exclusive member deals at breweries and homebrew shops, and hosting one-of-a-kind events like HomebrewCon and the National Homebrew Competition. Join your beer-loving peers at homebrewersassociation.org. Family-owned Atlantic Brew Supply is the biggest homebrew shop in the Southeast. No gimmicks, no multinational corporate overlords, and no BS. Unique ingredients from local suppliers, including malt from neighboring artisan malt house Epiphany Craft Malts and award-winning recipe kits, including the Toll, Raleigh Brewing Company's GABF-winning Imperial Oatmeal Stout, Plus, we've got pro-level equipment and the best-in-cask supply equipment from sister companies ABS Commercial and Cask Supply. Malts, extracts, and more, all available by the ounce, an on-site calculator to help you craft your best brew, same-day order processing, and guaranteed two-day shipping for East Coast customers. Get 15% off your first order when you use the coupon code BREWFILES at checkout at Atlantic Brew Supply. Getting accurate measurements of your beer is one of the keys to improving your brewing. The Pro Series Hydrometers from Brewing America will help you help your beer. These American-made NIST traceable hydrometers are accurate, easy to read, and the kits come with a cleaning brush and cloth and a borosilicate test flask that uses half the sample size of most flasks. That means less beer for testing and more beer for you. Brewing America is a small, family-owned business of husband and wife veterans, so when you buy a Brewing America hydrometer, you're not only getting a great piece of equipment, you're supporting the people who support America. Brewing America hydrometers are available on Amazon or at www.brewingamerica.com. Here in Drew's Garage slash brewery slash hideout, we're going to try some of the beers that he made for the Falcons' 45th anniversary party. This is the fall saison here? No, actually, this is the pumpkin honey uh, hydromel. Oh. So a session strength uh, mead that I made literally, a, what, a little over a week ago? Yeah, yeah. So this is made with uh, raw Oregon blue pumpkin honey. Right. And the raw honey itself had a really interesting caramel note. It was like a lot like Tupelo, but where Tupelo goes cinnamon spicy, this had more vanilla tones to it. And that makes sense if it's pumpkin honey, kind of. So for everybody out there who thinks it takes years to make mead, not necessarily. No, and this was uh, one small jug of honey, and I think that's like a five-pound jug. 
and uh, into four gallons of water. You know what? This reminds me of my cider. It's it's very very light, and this is uh, it's also fairly dry. Although there's a, a really nice kind of sweetness in the back mm-hmm. end to it. Yeah, there is. Um, and then you still get the spiciness, and you still get some of those sweet vanilla it, tones. It really does have apple notes to it. Mm-hmm. So what's what's the alcohol content on this? This is uh, five and a half. Oh, great. So again, the whole idea with a hydromel is just to be super quick, super fast. And turn around something that's kind of nice and meaty, but not over the top. And a lot of times people will do flavorings with these. And so I stole this idea from Mary, Mary Zett. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she did, she wrote this up in her speed brewing book. She talked about it at the homebrew con. And her focus on hydromels was always about making flavored hydromels with like a lot of fruit or spices and whatnot. And I wanted to see first how the raw honey part tasted. Right. And, I th- and I actually really like this. There's no acid adjustment in there. There's no tannin adjustment or anything else. Yeah, it doesn't really need it. No, it comes off like really nice. But one of the things I did was I decided, well, wouldn't it be nice to take this and add some vanilla to it to see if that adds right. some sweetness or if that added you know, more dessert notes or if it rounded it out. And so I made a sous vide Tahitian vanilla extract. Talked about this on social media a lot. Right. And it was basically a filled mason jar with about six ounces of vodka, a handful of vanilla beans that I cut up into tiny little bits, and then put it into a water bath at 130 degrees for five hours. And the extract on it right. was amazing. Cool. And so now I figure we, we've tasted this. Right. You know, we've got that dry honey character to we've it. We've got what, like maybe like a couple ounces in our glass there? Yeah. And so I, I've also broken out something that would make me look like a, a you know, a drug user here, but it's a blunt tip syringe right. uh, measured in milliliters. And you could probably I'm, even take that needle off completely. But. Probably could, but, you know, the needle's nice and it makes it look threatening. And... I mean, we smelled this extract earlier, and it's interesting. I see what you were saying about the Play-Doh quality of right. the vanilla. Yeah. So Tahitian vanilla as opposed to bourbon vanilla. They're the two main varieties of vanilla that everybody grows. Bourbon vanilla is the one that everybody thinks is vanilla because it has so much vanilla in it. Uh, Tahitian is actually preferred by pastry chefs, like high-end pastry chefs, because it's more floral. It's softer. It's a little more subtle flavor. And to me, also the funny part is – it's just the childhood association with Play-Doh because right. it really does smell like Play-Doh to me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to draw up a couple of milliliters of this extract in here. And I figure maybe just do like a half milliliter in this glass just to see what it's like. Because uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain a half milliliter is just going to be like Too over much. the top. Yeah. So there we okay. go. A little bit for you, sir. Give it a little swirl. And let's see how that tastes. It smells like Play-Doh. It does, but instantly what I'm noticing, I'm getting a little bit more honey character. It feels like a little bit more roundness in the nose. And it really does soften up the the acid bite. Yeah, it does. It does. I'm not sure I like it, but it's different. Mm-hmm. You know what I may do? I may just bring the extract That's what to, the, to the party and give people the option of adding the extract. I would take that needle yes. off of there. Yes, the needle, the needle just, will come off. Just use the syringe. Yes, I, 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 don't, I don't think I want to trust uh, drunk people with a, yeah. a bl- even a blunt. <laughs> no, no, no. That could be even worse. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I, I like uh, for the 40th anniversary, I did a couple of base meads, and then I brought flavored versions and the base mead uh, to the to the party. Damn you. You know what, man? I never would have noticed Play-Doh in there. <laughs> and then you said it last night, and it's like, I mean, in the aftertaste, I feel like I, I've been eating Play-Doh. I know. It's so funny. It's like the second you get the association, it's like it's locked in. Yeah. But I'm actually rather pleased. I mean, again, this, this Hydromel is two weeks old. 
three yeah. at the most. Yeah. And I mean, it just proves that you can really kind of turn around like a nice beer alternative in a hurry. I did use uh, Lavalin, the uh, the 117B, what, I forget, 71B, 71B. Use the 71B in here. I did staggered yeast nutrient additions. You know, gave it all the advantages that you can in order to get it done in a hurry. And then just fermented it here in my garage. And of course, the past couple of weeks here, it's been 70s, 80s, and I kept it tempered in a water bath. Boom, done. Right. So yeah. not too bad for, for No, no, I mean, it's, it's okay. It's, it's not a beverage that's to my taste. Mm-hmm. But I can see that a lot of people would really like this. Yeah, I, I dig it, and I think it will be a hit at the party tonight. So, now having said that, you mentioned the false false saison. Yes. So let's go have some of the false false saison. Okay. Okay, so this, uh, let me see, this has the, the Mechagrade Metolius. Uh, what was the base malt? Uh, Ida Pills. Okay. So Great Western Idaho Pilsner. Uh, which is a really, uh, actually kind of just really nice neutral malt. Uh, yeah, I really like them a lot. And the whole idea here was, I'm calling this one the false fall saison. And yes, it's not the world's clearest beer. None of these are. But uh, the interesting part to me was, I did not expect this, but there's actually a, a strong pumpkin note to it. Yeah, I was noticing that. And I mean, not like I didn't make it to have a pumpkin note, but it does have a pumpkin note. And so, yeah, this was Ida Pills, 10 pounds, half a pound of cane sugar. And this did contain two unusual ingredients. Uh, it had a half pound of oat malt, which is not unusual for me. But it had two pounds of the Metolius mm-hmm. from Mechagrade, which is their Munich equivalent. Right. And then it had a pound and a half of the new Brees Blonde Roast Oat Malt. Oh, interesting. So it's an oat malt that has a little bit more character. Besides the other half pound of oat malt. Right. So it's one. It's two pounds of oat malt total, pound and a half of the breeze, this uh, blonde oat roast, which has only like a love bond of four, but it has a, a nuttier flavor. So I suspect the pumpkin is actually coming from that blonde roast. Really nice. Got a nice yeast character to it, you know, mm-hmm. not over the top. Um Seems to touch on the bitter side, but maybe maybe that's the yeast in suspension. Yeah, well, it's uh, three quarters of an ounce of Magnum. Anybody surprised? No, I don't think so. Right. And then two ounces of American Noble Laurel at, in the Whirlpool for 20 minutes. That could have something to do with the aroma, too. Mm-hmm. And then the yeast strain I used in it is my favorite sort of no-nonsense yeast strain, which is the Blaugy strains or 3726 uh, Belgian Farmhouse. Same thing we use for the Pilpazon. Exactly. Same one that we use for the Pilpazon. It's a nice, reliable strain. It has some interesting aromatics to it. And it, you know, it, it makes a, a really yeah, nice beer. You know what, man? And this, the aroma reminds me of being in Belgium again. You know, uh, and being back at the Zythos Fest because I had a number of uh, of beers made with that Blaugies yeast there. Yeah, well, and what I like in this is you've got a good malt character to this. You've got a richness. You've got a roundness. You've got that. You got that mouthfeel from the oat malt. You've got that Munichy breadiness from the Metolius. You got a little bit of that that bite from the blonde roast, and then it still gets down to this dry finish. Yeah, it does. I mean, there's a little bit of a of a yeast character that I think will drop out when the beer has a chance to age a bit. You know, it's not objectionable even right now. You know, no, I mean, I, I would not be surprised if I got a bottle of something from Belgium and it, and it had that sort of haze that it has to it. Oh yeah. Um, but again, I'm really digging the profile on this, and the whole idea was what I wanted was 
we have here in LA what I call false fall. So we, as we're recording this, this is November 2nd. Most of the country is moving out of fall and deeply to winter. And today the high is going to be 85. Yeah, right. And LA tends to play this game where our summer starts late and our fall starts late and our winter never really, ha- never, never really <laughs> happens. And but what fall will do is it comes in waves. We'll have like a week where it's, you know, kind of nice in the sixties and seventies. And then suddenly mother nature goes, ha ha ha, a hundred degrees. Yeah. And so I, I always refer to our first one as false fall. So I, I brewed this during false fall. And what I wanted to try and do was to make a beer that gave you fall sensibilities, but was still drinkable in the heat. Right. You know, it still worked during yeah, that Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this would, this would definitely be that. Yeah. So this is the false fall saison. We'll include a link to the Brewer's Friends uh, recipe sheet that I have for it. Uh, and I just – I'm really digging it. And, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see where this one goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would uh, – you know, a few more weeks, this could be uh, moved from a good beer to an excellent beer. Mm-hmm. I put a little bit of um, biofine in this. Uh, didn't seem to impact the, yeah. the haze that much. So we'll see. Uh, this this may course, just be bottom of the keg haze because you got the second pour and yours is just a hair clearer. Yeah. And it could also be uh, yeast or it could be the oat malt. I know malt does tend to throw a haze in there as well. But so I think this is interesting. Did you use any like clarifier like Whirlflock or well, the Biofine? I, I used Whirlflock in the in the kettle and then Biofine, and biofine in the keg. Afterwards. Yeah. It's, been, it's had about uh, 48 hours on the Biofine. After after the transfer, I, I haven't used that, so I don't know what how. I usually want to usually want to add it during a transfer, so it gets thoroughly mixed. It's uh, it's effectively a silica, um, and then allow it to settle for twenty four to forty eight hours. So is it the same as polyclar? <sighs> I don't think so. I think they're I think they're related concepts, but I don't know for certain, so I'm not going to lie. Okay, you know I I want all of you to take note. This is the first time I've ever heard Drew say I don't know. That's not true. I say I don't know all the time. <laughs> all right. So now we're going to get into two uh, two other beers, two last samples, one of which I really dig, and the other which I'm kind of on the fence about. Okay. What's this in the carboy down here? Uh, that is uh, a winter saison. Oh. It's been aging for a, a very while. small amount of it. Yep. I did that on uh, on the Zymatic. Oh, cool. So for everybody who's fascinated by what we're doing, uh, I tend to spray everything down with Sandy Clean. I keep a nice little jug of it and just safety. Yep. I do the same thing. Okay. So now this one is the coming in hot. Oh, yeah. This is the one you're not sure about. This is the one I'm not sure about. So if you guys will remember, I had yeast, correct? No, this is, is, uh, I think it's Denny's favorite. And, and it got uh, yeah, it got a little hazy there in the in the port. Now the problem was, remember, I was having uh, gravity problems, and figured it out uh, do the crush. So this had American IPA hopping on a APA gravity base. And I don't I don't like the the yeast smell in this either. Yep. So this one this one I, has it's getting better. <laughs> yeah. This one has all the the veterans. Well, here why don't why don't we give you a second pour of that? That's plenty. So you can see. Yeah, and again, uh, so this one was the no-chill IPA or no-chill APA that I did, uh, kind of following the Aussie method. I did Veterans Blend um, at 30 minutes, no 60-minute edition, 60-minute boil, 30-minute hop edition, and then uh, Veterans Blend in Whirlpool. 
And then this one, there was such a hop character to it that I decided I wasn't going to dry hop it because um, I thought that would just be overkill. Now, what I'm getting is, yeah, there's a yeast character to this, but I'm not getting like hot fermentation characters because that's no, good. Huh. Um, didn't get as much of the 1450 in there as I wanted to, so I got to refine some of my technique here with the, ah. the no-chill. So the ferment was a little slow. And then the other thing, of course, is that there's a ton of bitterness to this. Yeah, yeah. Almost overpoweringly. So. This is this is one that I think will really benefit from some aging. Mm-hmm. But you definitely get that you definitely get that um, veterans blend, right? You get that mango, you get the, the the little bit of passion fruit that you get from that stuff, along with the floral nature. Yep, yep. But again, this is the one I'm not entirely in love with at the moment because I think it has. Yeah, I, I need I, I I need to refine it. Well, and I I think you need more time for the the yeast to drop and the hops to start to fade a bit. Well, I was going to say this was made a month ago. Really? Yeah, this was made a month ago, uh, sitting in the in the fermentation fridge, and it had been sitting at like thirty five for a week. Wow! So, not my favorite beer that I've made. No, but it's interesting. I'm- I'm getting some spiciness in the aroma now too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one I might spike from the from the party because I'm because I'm not exactly certain. I'm I'm a yeah. Huge I, fan I, of. I to tell you the truth, I think you should. I think because otherwise you'll have the same experience I had when I took that American Mild to the conference in Portland when I knew it wasn't what I wanted it to be. Kept having to go around and telling people, no, that's not really what it needs to be. Yeah, you know, and that's that's too difficult. So you might be better off just to sit on it until it becomes something. Yeah, and let this serve as an objective lesson to everybody that you know, even Denny and I have these experiences where it's oh, just yeah. not what we want. I mean, you know, we're just homebrewers like everybody else, and. Yeah. Plus, it's not like we're going to have enough beer since we're sitting right next to five cases of cans. Well, <laughs> yeah, and not to mention all the other ones too. Yeah. But uh, so in this particular case, yeah, I think I think discretion is the better part of valor, which is appropriate for something called coming in hot. And actually, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to rebrew this and make sure I get to my gravity levels, make yeah. sure I get my my fermentation correct. Um, this one may end up in the scrap heap, unfortunately, but I think I'll probably just hold on to it for yeah, a little well, while. Yeah, well, as long as you've got space, it can't hurt to let it sit in the fridge and see what happens. Yep. So now uh, we get, we're going to go from a beer that, well, I had issues with to one I, that. I just want to say that I feel so better about my uh, fermentation fridge cleanliness after seeing yours. Oh, uh, yeah, no, th- uh, I've got to clean this one because there was yeast going everywhere huh. after the brew. All right. Like I said, to go from one that I had questions about that I wasn't exactly super psyched about to one that I am super psyched about, this is the Brewfest. All right. So this is my fast fermented lager. All right. This is 10 days old, some, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I did this in the Grandfather Conical, mm-hmm. and I ran it through a modified Narzisse fermentation, uh, the 3470 yeast, which is everybody's workhorse right and this i'm actually super psyched about which now means denny's gonna crush it well you know not necessarily <laughs> no but this is one of those beers where again i think as with uh, as with all of them i think it, this one would benefit from just a little more time to get a little bit more clarity to it but i'm super stoked about the flavor nice aroma. Of the aroma nice aroma and this is american nobles yep oh yeah oh that's delicious so this is the beer that the original gravity of about 10.56, right? So medium strength lager, 12 pounds of the Ida pills, and one pound of the uh, brew malt from Great Western. So remember, we've talked a little bit about brew malt on the show before. It is uh, Great Western's 
kind of super honey malt. Yeah, but it was kind of a tartness to it also. Yeah, so literally this consists of just those two grains. Yeah. And it's got this lovely, like, just pale orange color to it. Well, it's like it's like the beer that I brought up to to Micro for the event there. Uh, that was just uh, just pale malt and a pound of the brew malt. So, and this one is a half a half ounce of Magnum. That's very nice. Got a real nice malt character to it. And then uh, the white Stefan yeast, so that the thirty four seventy, and I dropped it into the fermenter so i was using the grandfather conical i force chilled it down to you know 50 degrees pitched the yeast into it in the conical and let it run uh actually heated it up to 55 like got, chilled it down to 50 and then pitched and heated up to 55 and then held it there for a couple of days brought it up to 60 after a couple of days and then after that brought it up to 65 for a couple of days and then cold crashed it down to 35 right. and held it there and Again, this beer's ten days old. Yeah, that's that's what's truly amazing about it, you know. And this is another one that, you know, in in a, two weeks to a month, this beer will be a lot more refined, but it's delicious right now. Yeah, we we all have those beers where like you go and you taste it, yep, and you're like, oh, oh, damn, yeah, right. And you and you taste it and you're like, I I I did something here, all right. It's like the opposite of what we just had with the coming in hot, right? Uh, this one I tasted it and I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh, I made something. This good. is going to be good. Yeah. But and, and again, yeah, the flavor is really nice. And like I said, with a little bit more cold conditioning, this beer will just be a lot more refined. Well, I think the, the only problem with it is just the brilliance, right? I mean, it's it's hazy right now. Well, and, and I think that that's what I mean is like that haziness is going to drop out. The mouthfeel is going to become crisper. Uh, the flavor is going to become more focused. Mm-hmm. I, I I carbonated this last night. I did my my shake and bake method. So I set my my CO two regulator to thirteen psi, and I stood out here in the garage and shook it for uh, ten minutes on the dot. Just rocked it back. And forth. I, I do not have the patience to do that. I I consider it sort of a an exercise in meditation. I, and I consider it a time when I'm thinking of all the other things I should be doing right then. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I, I don't focus very well. But this, when I when I tasted it after I poured the sample after the carbonation, yeah, and it was really just like it was good enough that I immediately went and I poured myself a full glass. <laughs> I was just like, nope, this is my end of the evening beer because it was the last keg I carbonated last night. Right, just and blew it up and and then I sat down and I I wrote some notes and while I was yeah you know, sipping that beer and. Yeah, that was a good beard in the in the night on. Yeah, no, I that it's really really delicious now, and it, it's only going to be getting better from here on out. Super simple recipe, right? I mean, it's two malts, a single hop addition, and dried yeast. Yeah. Oh, just a single, just the Magnum. There's there's yeah, no the, American nobles in here at all. Not not according to my notes. Now, of course, my notes may be wrong, <laughs> but I'm fairly certain I'm right on this one because I because uh, I wanted to I wanted to showcase the malt. Yeah, right. Uh, and I do think that that malt, that brew malt comes through in a very interesting way. It really way. does. Yeah, that's really cool stuff. Because, yeah, I mean, if you think about Idaho uh, Pills or the Idaho Pills or Idaho Select or whatever they're calling it at the time, it's a very clean, very neutral right. base malt. It does not carry a lot of oomph to it. Right. And I think that the brew malt comes through better in this one than the one that I made using the Skagit Valley Micro homebrew malt because that has more base flavor to it. Well, and you also back into that with a ton of cryo. Well, there's that too. 
So it's amazing what three ounces of cryo at flame out will do to a beer. Well, that and that was part of the reason why I know I didn't add any any nobles to this because I was trying to focus on just getting that malt character, right? And I mean, again, this is a beer that has two malts. It's got an incredible depth to it. Yeah, it's it, it really does. Nice. It does, and it's got to be that brew malt giving it the depth. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to include a link to this for everybody to to use because right. I think this is something that people ought and to hopefully, try. hopefully, I mean, I don't know what the marketing status of that brew malt is if it's out there and people can get a hold of it or not. So maybe before you publish the recipe, you want to check in with like Terry or or Brian and see what's going on. I mean, you can buy sacks of it from from Country Malt Direct, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, any any humber shop that has a Country Malt relationship, which should be. Uh, almost all of them. Yeah, <laughs> they can definitely get you brew malt. Well, I wouldn't say they definitely can. They they might be able to, I, just because I haven't checked, so I don't know for no, a fact. Yeah, I mean, you can buy it on their website, so I'm fairly certain. You know, if your shop in, has in a, less than a fifty pound bag. No, you can buy it in a fifty pound bag, but you know, that, was, that means your homebrew shop can get it in a fifty pound bag. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, right. yeah, your homebrew shop can get it for you, and then and split it down. I think this is really interesting. Again, this beer was thirteen pounds of grain. 12 of which were a fairly neutral base malt, one of which is this brew malt. And mine was only 12 pounds because it was 11 and 1. I'm really super stoked about this beer. This this was one of those ones where you taste it. Uh, between this, actually, all four of these, the coming in hot, I learned some stuff with. I'm right. still not pleased with the beer, but I knew I wasn't going to be pleased with the beer. I knew, there were, I knew there were things I wanted to change. You know what? I sat down and wrote up some notes last night for my talk tonight. Mm-hmm. That You're going to hear that theory in there. There you go. But- of the of the four, like I said, I only really have issues with uh, coming in hot. I think the other three are really nifty. And I think, I mean, based on my experience with fourteen fifty and everything else, I think that the coming in hot has potential. Yeah. I would say that as long as you can hang on to it, don't dump it because you know two months down the road it may be really good. Yeah. So I figure I'm going to rebrew that, but I'm going to try and get the better gravity on it so I can do the IPA strength. Mm-hmm. Because I think it will also be served by IPA because the veterans one is so assertive. Yeah. So I think you want to have some more oomph behind it in order to kind of build on. But like I said, learning lesson. I learned some stuff. That's great. I also learned that 30-minute hop additions and that is plenty for bitterness. Right. And I'm also really, really psyched about this brew. Well, you know, and you don't get a ton of additional hop utilization between 30 and 60 minutes. I mean, there obviously there is some, but it's not going to make a whole hell of a lot of difference, especially in a beer like that. Well, it makes me wonder if I, you know, given that you're only doing a 30-minute hop addition then, I think the next iteration, I may also try and see if my, assuming my gravity is correct, right. coming into the boil, I may just pull that as a 30-minute boil. You know, because yeah. I mean, if I don't have a 60-minute boil to it, I mean, the only reason to do a 60-minute boil if I'm not doing a hop addition is to get that extra concentration. Well, I mean, you know, and it, yeah, that's that's enough to get a good coagulation of break, I would guess. So, yeah, what the heck? Why not try it? So, uh, boys and girls, I hope that you uh, enjoyed this well, unusual version of uh, Denny and Drew try, try each other's beers. Coming, uh, coming to you from Drew's garage, kind of yeah. like Joe's garage, but not. This is my happy space. It's not, the cl- <laughs> it's not the cleanest space in the universe. It's not the most organized space in the universe. But, you know, it does pretty well, and it does exactly what I need it to. Yeah. I got a chair. Yep. I've got a stereo. And I've got brew rigs and grains galore. You know, one thing that I've got that you don't is a carpeted floor. Yeah, I don't get that idea. But then again, you, you're, you're cold. I actually want to – I've got – so for everybody who knows, this is a single 
a single garage standalone built in 1925 with wood rafters and previous owner put up some drywall just to kind of clean it up a little bit, which is nice. But it's also got this old concrete in it. And I think one of the things I want to do is come in and put down like an epoxy coat. That would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the only reason I have carpet on mine is because we had indoor outdoor carpet left after another project. So I put it in there. Uh, but my garage, uh, was purpose remodeled for the brewery. So I do have the floor drain in the middle with the eighth inch nice. per foot slope. Uh, yeah, I do, I do like that, man. I can just hose everything down when I'm done. And it's great for dumping beer. No, I, I was going <laughs> to say, well, the thing I like here in my garage is I've got, an independent hot water heater. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, I've got a big cast iron utility sink. Yeah. And I've got a, that thing's a beast. I've got a I've got a dual well stainless steel sink mm-hmm. that one of my friends who's a contractor pulled out of one of his remodel jobs that I got. And then uh, I was going to go buy uh, just some cheap recycled base cabinets to put it in and Brant wouldn't hear of that being a woodworker. <laughs> so he built me this f- incredible base cabinet yeah remember be kind uh, be kind to any of your friends who know how to do woodworking yeah man believe me uh he built me my stands for my fermenters too so uh, again I, the grandfather conicals are available now here in the u.s i think the glycol units are still in limbo as to when they're going to be finally finished but they're coming soon but we've both had really great experiences with it and i think that that brew fest yeah. Really uh, oh, demonstrates it, it, the value. It, I mean, that, it's like I said to Grandfather, the best beer I'm making these days comes out of those conicles of theirs. So There you go. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed this. I think this was a fun little romp. And, of course, uh, we are off to go get ready for a party. Yep. I'm in L.A. for a party. Uh, Drew's going to go make me drink more beer. So I'm a cruel taskmaster. Yeah, he is. He is. I just hate it. So, All right, everybody. See you soon. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on another episode of The Brew Files. We hope that you enjoyed this trip to Drew's Garage. It's a nice place. I like hanging out there. The party was a great success. More on that in another episode. And the beers are fantastic. Well, almost all of them. I've since rebrewed the Coming In Hot to try and nail it down. Did I succeed? We'll find out. Now remember, if you have show ideas, styles, brews, techniques, ingredients, etc., you can drop us a line at podcast at experimentalbrew.com. You can reach us at Denny at experimentalbrew.com or Drew at experimentalbrew.com. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Reddit, and just about every homebrew forum out there. And of course, you can always find us at www.experimentalbrew.com. Don't forget, you can support the podcast by leaving us a review in Apple Podcasts. Click the AHA Amazon Brewers Friend or BYO links on the website. And by going to Patreon and pledging a buck or two or more to our charitable cause, which for this part of the year, and we're coming up on the last month of it, is Chat with Champs that helps kids con- with cancer connect with each other. So remember, kids, cancer, give a buck. Until next time, remember, the brew is out there, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Brew Files. This episode is brought to you by Brewers Publications, publisher of none other than Simple Home Brewing by two guys named Denny Khan and Drew Beecham. Maybe, just maybe, you've heard of them. If you want to streamline your brew day, make great beer, and have a blast in the process, head over to BrewersPublications.com and buy a copy of Simple Homebrewing. Brewing.